we have some history in the National Hockey League. We also have a Panther that has signed a short-term deal. And we also discuss a possible trade from another team and how that affects the Panthers. We're going to discuss that today on the Winans Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this Wednesday, July 6th edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're to your team every day. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Armando Velez from PantherParkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Monoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also subscribe to Lockdown Fantasy Hockey and Lockdown NHL. We'll be covering all the offseason activities around the National Hockey League. So, Panther fans, hockey fans all over, I hope that you had a great holiday weekend, however you celebrated, whether it was spending time at the beach, whether it was being at work, whether it was being around your loved ones. I hope that all of you had a great holiday weekend. It was great for me to get a few days off in order to recharge the batteries ahead of what this week is, the NHL entry draft. But we have a few things to discuss on this edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. And it's we're talking about history that has been made in the NHL. And we're going to discuss that first in, in this part of the show. And let me bring in my guest, Jacob Winans, here on the show, on this Winans Wednesday edition on the show, to discuss the hiring of the first black GM in NHL history with Jacob Winans. First of all, Jacob, how are you doing today? Um, I'm feeling really good. Um, the holiday weekend was nice to to have a little break, and um, yeah, the the roller coaster of the off season is just getting going. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Isn't isn't it strange how, like, as someone who watches multiple sports, that multiple changes happen so quickly when the Stanley Cup final ends? I mean, the NBA it happens with the NBA as well, with all these moves happening so rapidly. And then you have the draft and free agency come out. So like catch it, it could sometimes sneak up on you before you know it uh, with football. It's a few months until the draft and free agency for them. But with hockey and basketball, it just comes at you so quickly. And then we kind of see late in the process of coaching hires. We were, we just, we discussed on Friday, Bob Bugner uh, being fired from the San Jose Sharks, a Florida Panthers connection. We discussed a little bit of that which told me at the time that there was a GM in place. And then, lo and behold, uh, it is announced that Mike Greer, uh, who's played for four different teams, the Oilers, Capitals, Sabres, and Sharks, and has moved up in the ranks of becoming a coach and part of the front office as a scout with the Chicago Blackhawks, assistant coach with the Devils, and then a hockey operations advisor with the New York Rangers. is He was just introduced today by the San Jose Sharks. He is the first black general manager in the national hockey league ever and this is a great milestone and because this is a because this is a podcast that comes out in the south florida region at least the majority of fan base you hear mike greer's name why does that sound so familiar he is the brother of miami dolphins gm chris greer 
and it's just a great connection of all of everything related to like South Florida. And there's there's more to it. But I want to give you the floor for a little bit on your thoughts of Mike Greer becoming the first black GM in NHL history. Honestly, I was ecstatic to see that news. Um, I, myself and, and you as well, we're, we're both minorities and uh, representation is everything, um, especially in a sport like hockey. Um, it's a it's a hockey hockey culture is kind of the term used and um there's an ongoing effort um top to bottom to try to make it a more diverse sport and having someone leading a franchise and a, a franchise that has been historically uh competitive in san jose um taking over a legit franchise and and having that kind of representation goes a really long way um i think it's fantastic that uh that he he's uh the brother of chris greer um i think the fact that having two brothers uh, reach this kind of uh level in professional sports both gming um pro sports franchises and then in two wildly different sports um i think it's unheard of it's it's, it's really cool um and it's not even just in hockey but sports in general it's, it's an effort to get um to have black and, and minority executives in, in front office positions not just um not just coaching staff but to get them in the front office and i think having it in hockey is is it goes a really long way um so as a, as a half black person myself i am i'm i'm really proud that he's gotten this opportunity and uh, it really does open doors so i i really hope he, he's successful there in san jose it's, it's a really awesome moment and he has a difficult job on his hands with yeah. the contracts of brett burns Eric Carlson, Logan Couture, they just signed uh, Thomas Hurdle to an eight-year extension, which a lot of people, I, I mean, that wasn't Mike Greer's signing, but a lot of the question was, went into that signing of when the when the San Jose Sharks are back to being at a competitive level, what will that con- that what will that contract of Thomas Hurdle look like at the, by the time the end of the contract is is there for for him? And he's got a he's got a lot to to clean up. They said that they said that unlike the Dolphins, the, where the Dolphins went full rebuild, it doesn't look like the San Jose Sharks are going to completely go in that direction due to still having a lot of veterans on their team. And this is we talked about this many weeks ago, where the San Jose Sharks were that one team knocking on the door over and over and over and over again, just not getting the cup the cup. And now they're at the tail end of the they're at the they passed the climax of what their peak was uh, during during their during their years of contending. But hey, we, we, let's also talk about Mike Greer's father, uh, Bobby Greer, who was an executive with the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. Well, well, also Bobby Greer is currently a consultant with the Miami Dolphins, and he's been there since 2017. So he's still in the NFL even now, working under his son, just not in the making like personnel decisions too. So it's pretty cool. And now having that with multiple family um, with the same family excuse me in multiple sports and Mike Greer playing in the NHL as as well it's just cool and also South Florida connections as well we related it with the football side of things with um the Greer the father and the son and the brother but also who he was competing against to get this job we talk about Ray Whitney, who was with with the Panthers in the late '90s to 2001. Also, Scott Mellenby, former captain of the Panthers, as well, uh, originator of what was the rat trick. Well, he didn't call it the rat trick. That was Beezer who said it, but he was the guy who killed the rat. But the South Florida connections with Mike, this Mike Greer 
hiring, Bob Bugner firing, and then relating it all to South Florida, it's just something that's just like, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's really funny how that works out sometimes in sports. Um, it, it seems like every hiring, every signing, every draft pick, you can kind of like draw a line connecting it to someone or, or somewhere else um, in the sports world. But it seems like everything just leads back to South Florida with this one, which I think is really funny. Um, but if anything, it gives us a, a Western Conference team to cheer for. Um, the San Jose Sharks can be Florida Panthers West. Um, if anyone wants to stay up till 1030 Eastern every day and, and support the Sharks, it's more power to you. But I don't know about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's it's a really just a really cool moment for definitely the Greer family. But but just for representation, minorities in the sport, I, I couldn't be happier. I, I'm really, really happy to see this happen. You talk about two teams who are sea creatures, two, yeah. two franchises that have teal in their colors. And fun fact about uh, if you guys, if anyone listening has listened to my multiple crossovers with Locked on Sharks, uh, J.D. Young, one of the co-hosts, uh, well, actually now the main host, uh, Kyle Demetrius is no longer there. Uh, he's also a Miami Dolphins fan as well, um, J.D. Young. So uh, uh, another reason to support Locked on Sharks. And I also listened to Locked on Sharks today to see what J.D. had to say. So a little plug for my colleague out west uh, uh, covering the San Jose Sharks. He also works for San Jose Hockey now as well. So more more uh, credibility on his part of covering the, the Sharks. But we're going to transition over to segment number two, where we're going to talk about a signing of a Panthers uh, prospect ahead of the this upcoming offseason so first we're going to tell you all about bet online and betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments league reviews and news including this year's nhl playoffs and major league baseball betonline is your continuous source for all your sports wagering information including live betting esports and sports and betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season BattleLine.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports, events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today, use a mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BattleLine, where the game starts. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And the NHL draft is right around the corner, and our team of local hosts and draft experts are breaking down with insights and analysis for every first round pick. Subscribe to Locked On NHL on YouTube for all the latest breakdowns on the NHL draft and more. And just programming note for everybody listening is that highly doubt that we're going to do a Thursday night recording the night of the draft. Just really going to be taking in everything. Um, Chris Greer's probably, um, excuse me, Bill Zito is probably going to be working the phones uh, on draft night, but chances are the Florida Panthers are going to stay pat. And unless there's a draft day trade, just like Sam Reinhart uh, last year, then we'll do a late Friday night, uh, late Thursday night going into Friday night episode, but just a programming note for everybody out there. But Jacob ahead of the Florida Panthers, um, the, the draft and free agency, we were discussing, a few weeks ago of who are the um, Panthers likely going to qualify an offer to, and the deadline to qualify an offer is July 11th. So right, right now, as when this recording drops, it'll be five days until the day that the, um, the, all the teams in the NHL could qualify the, what, whether they they say they're going to, excuse me. 
and looks like that one uh, another signing that is out of the way and that we can move on and that the Florida Panthers can move on to signing the bigger fish in in uh, when it comes to free agency they got they agreed with Alexi Hepaniemi to a, a one year two way contract worth 750,000 uh at the NHL level uh 100,000 at the AHL level so my opinion on this is that I like the I like the two way part of it because you're not going to lose Alexi Hepaniemi on waivers. He he's been in the he's been in the system for quite a, a little bit, so it's it's kind of put up or shut up time for Alexi Hepaniemi. But I also see it in this way with Anthony Duclair being hurt right now. I do believe there is a chance for him to be on the opening night roster, not necessarily in the lineup, maybe a healthy scratch and seeing him and seeing him. Um, practice with the team and everything but i do believe this gives him an opportunity to become at least part of the opening night roster and then when someone like duclair is ready to come back uh they send him back down without going through waivers and even though heponiemi is a center we've seen at times that he could be um, put on the wing position uh in in the in the very few appearances that we've seen yeah um heponiemi he was a once one of our our very uh highly touted most elite prospects um, he was re- absolutely ridiculous in the WHL, um, went over to Finland and tore up their, their top men's league there. Um, his game is all about offense and, uh, he, he has struggled a little bit playing on the, coming back from Finland, playing on the smaller ice at the AHL level. He's a guy who I think his game is better suited for the NHL than the AHL. Um, that can sound kind of weird to a lot of people because the AHL obviously is a, uh, a tier below the NHL, but I feel like his game is better suited for the NHL just because the AHL has so many guys who are completely defensive minded. Uh, they don't have an NHL future outside of being like a third or fourth line uh, role playing grinder type. So you don't see as much like high octane offense in the, at the AHL level. It's just not as, it's not as common. Alexi Hepaniemi is an offensive, purely offensive guy. That's not to say he can't play defense, but he's small uh, in stature. He's he's very small. Um, like you said, he, exactly. he, right. And weighs probably about 150, maybe 160. Um, really, really, excuse me, 154, excuse me. Yeah, he, he's definitely on the smaller side. So uh, his game is all about skill and offense. At the NHL level, he's never had an opportunity in the top six. I think he may get that shot um, coming out of training camp. If he has a good camp, he may get a shot playing in the top six, uh, maybe third line. Um, but whatever it is, he, he may get a shot to play with some more offensive guys. Um, so I do like the signing. I think there's still a, a good amount of untapped potential there. And I think as he gets stronger physically, as he gets more adapted to the, the professional game here in North America, I think I think he there is there is some legitimate upside. He just has to, he's got to find it. He's running out of time a little bit, but. Um, I think he's this 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 season may be his best chance to crack the NHL roster so far. So I, I I'm I'm excited about the signing, and I want to see if they can kind of um, find some of that offense that he showed early in his development. Yeah, and we remember the the flash quickly in his very first NHL game. Um, Duclair has a saucer pass to Hepaniemi, and then he scores a game winner on the road in Detroit very early on in the season in uh, 2021. And that was his one and only goal in the at, on the NHL level. But we also have to consider the fact that Heppo kind of lost, not necessarily lost a year of development, but 
maybe was a little behind based on the COVID shortened season with the Charlotte checkers opting out of the season in 2021. And he only appeared in six games at the AHL level with Syracuse that year. And he was on the taxi squad for the Panthers. Remember this was when COVID was still new and that we were still finding ways to for uh, as this being part of our new normal, at least at that time. So that kind of that, those affects the, the younger NHL players more. I mean, uh, Every team goes through. I'm not. I'm not saying that the Panthers are are a special case, but that also kind of might be a reason why Heppo is not at the place that Panther fans might want him to be. But that that is a factor, and of course, you, there's nothing like game reps and being on the taxi squad and being hurt as well. That that kind that might 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 have held him back a little bit. But hey, now he had now he's at least. Uh, under contract at least for one more and hey it's a prove it deal yeah definitely he, he's going to get his chance um but yeah like you said at, at his at this stage of development the main thing and we talked about this with uh matt kirstead the matt kirstead signing the main thing is just to be playing um right now it, it really it really doesn't matter where he, he just needs to be on the ice playing earning experience so if that's at the NHL level, fantastic. But if he's if he's going to be able to play 18, 19, 20 minutes a night as a top line forward for Charlotte, by all means, uh, do that. He gets he gets the reps, he gets top power play time, and and I think he he learns a lot that way. Um, but that's a very good point you made on on the COVID shortened season. We have a lot of guys who are probably a year behind in their development due to that. Um, Hepaniemi, you think about Denisenko, um, you think about Sarah Noel. Even a lot of these guys didn't get they missed out on an AHL season uh, or, or the majority of one that they would have, they would have used to develop their game. So um, we hope that they'll, they'll catch up and they've got every opportunity to do so. And I, I'm really excited to see Hepo play this year. I think he's, he's, he's a guy who's primed to make a jump. Uh, he, he's he's going to make a leap. And I, I really think it's going to come now. And let's, and let's also consider the last two seasons they've been playing with another team in their farm system as well with i mentioned syracuse right. earlier in this segment and then seattle this year so a lot of the and and um i i palm springs california that's where seattle's uh new affiliate is going to be mm-hmm. so they won't have now there'll be more minutes available for alexi heponami as well and he had a he had a better season um this year in charlotte as far as uh point production uh, go, goes 39 points in 56 games. Uh, I know plus, once again, plus minus, um, excuse, plus minus at even. So, okay. We, we can't really judge based on just that, but, um, but for, for Hepo, it's a, it's a, it's a chance to, to get some minutes just, and I like that you brought back the mic, um, that Matt, the Matt Kirstead, uh, contract, uh, the two way won't, be, both of them will be on two ways this year. So it's two in the same year easily movable and let me check uh let me check uh cat friendly one more time to see where it, uh so he'll be he'll actually be an rfa again next season right. so they'll have an opportunity to qualify another offer so team control for alexi happeniemi it's there for the panthers and then he could earn himself another maybe he can even earn himself a three-year deal at that point and it's like somewhere between like one to two million dollars if he the fact that it's rfa status as well yeah, definitely. The op- like you said, the opportunity is going to be there. But um, the, the main thing that I, I really like that you brought up is the fact that the past two seasons they have shared their AHL affiliate. 
next season, it'll just be Panther prospects, uh, Panther control, Panther contracts. That That is a, a really good environment for them to develop in. Um, the Panthers are able to prioritize the development of their own prospects, their own talent. Um, the top line minutes are not going to be shared with, with Seattle's prospects anymore. Uh, think about Seattle. They, a lot of guys like Scott Wilson, uh, Cole Lind, uh, if you watched any of their games, a lot of these guys ate up a lot of those top uh, top six minutes. So next season, it's going to be it's going to be Panther players doing that. And I think Hepo is, is a guy who's going to benefit from that greatly if he does end up in Charlotte. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what, what it's going to look like. And for Hepo Niemi specifically, he's been in the AHL with the Panthers for, for quite some time. He spent he spent three AHL seasons as a as a Panther contract. All three were different teams. Um, his first year was Springfield Thunderbirds, second year uh, Syracuse Crunch, third year um, Charlotte Checkers. So he's been on the move a lot, not really in the same system, and it's tough to develop that way. So some continuity here will go a long way for him. Absolutely, I like I like I like good good word for that continuity for Alexi Hepaniemi. And hey, um, more more comfort in a system uh, could go a long way. Uh, in the next segment, we're going to discuss w- w- a trade that happened this weekend for in the NHL and how that relates to the Panthers and our confidence level that a trade will happen right before free agency. We're going to discuss that more in the next segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Third and final segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast on this Winans Wednesday edition of the show. And Jacob. We had a trade over the weekend uh, between the Nashville Predators and the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the the Nashville Predators decided to trade for uh, Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman Ryan McDonough, um, who is a big presence on their team. They traded for uh, prospect Grant Mishmash and Philippe Myers, uh, whose cap hit for that is a... 2.5 million. So as far as cap space, the Tampa Bay Lightning gained 4.2 uh, million dollars. And there was rumors saying about how the Tampa Bay Lightning could uh, buy out the contract of Philip Philippe Myers. And, but they're actually, it looks like that they're going to try to develop him more as they're in their, in their third pairing uh, defense uh, as, and then um, of course, if Jan, of course, if Jan Ruda resigns, then it could be possible uh, Chernak and Ruda second pairing, depending on if Ruda gets uh, resigned. But the point of that trade and talking about this as far as trades go is we've been discussing for weeks now about something that kind of seems inevitable for the Panthers as far as a move they're going to make to clear cap space. And that is talking about Patrick Hornquist. And going into this offseason... I went from 85% sure Patrick Hornquist was going to get traded. As maybe as far as like three or four days ago, it was getting up to 90. Now I'm about over 95% confident that it's it's a trade that's going to happen. And now with the state of the NHL with the flat cap, which is a reality for, for what's going on. I mean, we saw some trades last season with, we going back to Tampa Bay Lightning. They traded Tyler Johnson uh, for the contract of Brent uh, Seabrook and have his contract the rest of it on LTIR. We just saw a few weeks ago how even though Vegas is in a cap crunch, that they traded for the contract of Shea Weber and putting him the rest of his contract on LTIR in exchange for of getting to Donoff. 
Vegas's trade from for Mark Andre Fleury was a mid-level prospect for the Chicago Blackhawks um, at seven million dollars, and then Chicago was able to benefit that trade into Minnesota, getting a second-round pick out of that. And of course, we saw the Panthers trade Anton Stroman for a future second, which is 2024. We see that the cap hit for the Panthers at the time was was not something that would fit the Panthers this year if we're looking back uh, at the Strawman trade. But now after seeing that Ryan McDonough trade, I don't think that the Panthers are going to have to beg other teams uh, by taking the cap hit and having to sacrifice another er, um, like one, two, or first, first to third round pick in that ballpark. I don't think that it's going to require that this time around. Yeah, so a couple of things on this. One, how happy are we that McDonough's out of Tampa? I mean, honestly. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that, that's number one. Uh, number two, I think Mishmash is my favorite last name in the sport now. Um, <laughs> that's an interesting one. But um, in all seriousness, I, I think um, the, the trade market is going to be beneficial to the Panthers this time around. Uh, we don't exactly have a lot of picks to give away anymore. Uh, we, we sold... We, sort of mortgaged a, a lot of those for uh, for assets at this deadline and going back to Sam Bennett and Sam Reinhardt, um, more than worth it. I just want to throw that out there. I don't want to start any more controversy with Sam Bennett and the seconds. But um, uh, I, I think the trade market's going to benefit us a little bit more this time around. Um, the McDonough trade gives you an idea of what you can get for a, a veteran who's still producing. And keep in mind, his contract had term, um, a lot of it. Patrick Hornquist is exactly uh, Hornquist is an expiring deal, so it's not like someone's making a, a long-term uh, crippling move for their cap. It's just a one-year thing. And the reports, a report came out that Seattle was very interested in Hornquist. I could see that making a lot of sense. That's a team that's trying to develop an identity. They're a team full of young players. Uh, they're not expecting to compete right right now, but um, they're trying to establish a culture. They're trying to show show their their young players and build their franchise from the ground up literally so uh, a guy like hornquist you bring him in he's exactly what you're looking for in a veteran presence who's been there done that won everything you can win um he, he's a guy who, who can help set your culture so if that's if that's what it ends up being then um happy for hornquist to, to go make his mark on another franchise and and the cap space is direly needed right now in, in south florida so um but no, I really don't think we're going to have to give up uh, a ton to get rid of him. I think if anything, we maybe just be a, a pick swap uh, in addition to Hornquist being sent to Seattle. It, something to think about. But um, another thing with Hornquist, as far as this trade consideration goes, he he's not a negative asset. Um, he's a guy who still produces, uh, still performed well in the playoffs. He, he still puts up points. So it's um, I, I don't think we're going to be having to to put a hard sell and, and give something up to, to move his contract. I just don't see it. And is the reality is we're trading the cap hit. We're not trade where we hate that. We have to trade the person and the locker room right. presence, but just the, again, the cap hit just doesn't fit to what the Panthers are doing in this stage of their, of their contention. And listen, Ron Francis got a, a lot of uh, um, criticism gone his way about how he handled the expansion draft. But now seeing all the picks that the Seattle Kraken have and 22 million cap space, they have 
one first round pick in this year's draft, four twos, a three, three fours, five, six, and seven. And then next year, it's three more second round picks, two more third round picks, three more fourth round picks. And then uh, they have a, two sixes in 2023, two, two uh, threes in 2024, and two sevens. So a lot of high draft capital in what Seattle is doing. So chances are they could get a prospect back from Seattle that's a mid, even something like a mid-tier because they even got some mid-tier prospects in the Claude Giroux trade even. Um, and listen, we talk, we talk about how we talk about how Breezeball has been able to bring some of the, to replenish some of the farm that he's got in, uh, in, in the McDonough trade, but there's also a chance that it could very well happen for the Panthers as well. And seeing the embarrassment of riches, as far as assets that the Kraken have, it's like, they're the, it's like, they're the, it's like, they're the Boston Celtics of like the, uh, of the, um, of the NHL right now with all the assets and they've used it to their advantage. Now it's looking like in the NBA that the Utah jazz are going to be that, but look, yeah. look it, it seems that way that the Seattle Kraken are going to use their assets and maybe the Panthers could even, I don't know if they get back a, a pick anywhere between one to three, but even if you get one of those rounds cartwheels, that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, uh, when we started the Hornquist discussion over the uh, pretty much as soon as the season ended, um, my dream scenario was was someone taking him in a trade, buying him out, and then we sign him back at league minimum. I don't see that happening anymore. I I, I really do think Seattle, if that's the team, they have the picks to spend on him, and they're going to do that to invest in their in their development of their team. And Hornquist is a guy who can help that. So, um, given the amount of picks they have. Um, they're kind of the they're kind of the anti Vegas Knights, right? They're they're develop they're building from the ground up with with picks and prospects instead of going straight for straight for the gold right away and and trying to um, put together a contender in year one or two. So I I do think we can get a prospect back and development is everything. Uh, if you get a pick, if you get a prospect, whatever it may be, uh, no matter what where they were drafted, what tier they are as as a prospect, how they're ranked. Development is everything. If you get someone you like, they have something you can you can work with. Develop, develop, develop. Um, you, you brought up Tampa. I want to I want to throw uh, one more thing out there about about the prospects in the trade. Um, I believe it was Ben Bishop who was traded to L.A. and Eric Chernak was a throw-in uh, prospect, not seen as a highly touted guy. Kind of literally just a, a spare part in that trade. Tampa developed him into a huge contributor and, and he was not seen as a focal point in that trade at all. So it's just something to think about. That's, that's awesome. And um, there's also other ways to see about prospects as well. Um, and it's also about how general managers see them as well. And today I was listening to uh, the athletic and uh, draft and um, draft analyst, uh, Sam, uh, Costantino spoke about how sometimes general managers don't even care about what's going on in, in the, in the minors um, because they're just so focused on, especially the contenders of what they could do now. And it's crazy because uh, when you talk about like how Bill Zito has gone for it, like trading for a, a, an Owen Tippett, uh, trading away uh, Ty Smolanich as well in the, in the Ben Sherat, uh trade as well. So it, it and you know, and then we talk about the the move just last year about Emil Hyman getting uh, moved uh, to Calgary and then use them using that as a trade piece to get Tyler Toffoli. 
Uh, that second round pick that they traded uh, to Calgary um, just last season, that was used to get Cal Yarncrook from the Seattle Kraken. So now that pick that was originally traded to Calgary now belongs to the to the um, Seattle Kraken now. So listen, <laughs> the Florida Panthers could very well get their they get their pick back. <laughs> they very well yeah. could. It could it could very well be that they get that original spot. Who knows? Um, but uh, Jacob. Uh, any any final words before we uh, sign off? Uh, the schedule, actually, actually one more mm-hmm. thing. The schedule yeah. actually comes out tomorrow. So, um, who's your ideal opening night opponent? Ideal opening night opponent. Um, I feel like this has played out so many times. Um, Tampa is always a really fun opening night. Uh, we've done that a, a handful of times. But my ideal opening night opponent. I would love to see us play. Um, oh, this is a tough one. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Tampa, Carolina, or or even Colorado. I think opening night when ba- the banners raised uh, as far as the national broadcast, I think it's gonna be Colorado Vegas uh, to start off yeah. the to start off the the season. I, I think that was a that's a or maybe Colorado um, St. Louis even. That, that that would be yeah. an awesome storyline and then of course that would be the western game and i think i think we could very well see lightning rangers opening night um uh, as far as like T- a tnt broadcast or espn but as far as the panthers i think that i think that my ideal opening night would be against the boston bruins um division rival um i like that well. They're going through a transition as well, and of course, they've played. They do the Florida swing, so I guess when the Rangers uh, visit Tampa on like maybe like a Tuesday, October 11th, which is a Tuesday, they'll come to Florida in that same trip, and then Boston will start in Florida and then make their way to Tampa. You so know, that's my go ahead. I I have I think I want to change my entire answer. Okay, go for it. It just came. Something just came to mind when you when you said division rival. My ideal opening night opponent is Toronto in Sunrise. Okay. That that would be incredible. I love when they visit, but I do like your Boston idea because they're very injured to start this season. Let's get those games against them out of the way while they're hurt. That's my that's, that's true. my that's my strategy. And that'll be the night that the Florida Panthers um, will will raise the President's Trophy banner for the first time ever. So that's gonna even though it ended in disappointment, it's gonna be something to look back on, regardless of the disappointment. Uh, we could still really look at that season. Just, it's hard now still. But we can look up years to come and just say and just remember how, how much of a fun ride that was. But, Jacob, I want to thank you for joining me on this Winans Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Yeah, um, you can find me online at Jacob Winans 8 on Twitter. And you can find my work at PantherParkway.com. Thank you and see you next Wednesday. Yes, sir. We'll be here. And if you like what you're hearing. Please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also subscribe to Lockdown Fantasy Hockey and Lockdown NHL, where they'll be covering all the offseason activities around the National Hockey League. So I'm Armando Velez with Jacob Winans. And you've been listening to Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day.